Amen. Philippians chapter number 1. There's three verses tonight, 9, 10, and 11. Philippians chapter number 1, verses 9, 10, and 11. You come to the book of Philippians, Paul's in prison. It's one of his prison epistles. He's writing from prison, and it's fascinating. As he writes from prison, and he introduces his letter to the church at Philippi, he's writing about his praying, and he's praying for the church at Philippi. I think it's quite fascinating that you've got Paul in prison writing about praying for other people. And uh, the book of Philippians is a book about joy, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. And when we come to this passage and these prayer requests we're going to look at tonight, the Lord is giving us some insight into how to have joy. And some prayers, some prayers that we should pray for other people. And some prayers that we should also pray and desire for ourselves. The Bible says in Philippians chapter number 1, verse number 9, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, under the glory and praise of God. Verse 9, the Bible says, This I pray. This I pray. Paul's praying for the church at Philippi, and I believe that the Lord is going to show us some things and help us tonight with the things that Paul was praying about. If the Apostle Paul's praying about something and praying specifically about folks' lives, we should pay attention to that. Tonight's message is titled this, This I Pray. It's Paul's prayer for you. Paul's prayer for you. He's praying. He's praying. He wants us to have joy. He wants us to be full of the Spirit. He wants our marriages to thrive. He wants our homes to be places of joy. And in our hearts, he wants us rich with the love of God. Joy. He wants us to be in love with Jesus. Someone said this, that joy as an acrostic should be this. Joy, Jesus, others, and you. The order is Jesus first, others second. And you should play third fiddle at the best. Joy. May God help us as we study some things about praying. God's prayer for us, Paul's prayer for you. This I pray. Number one, Paul prayed that you would love wisely. That you would love wisely. God wants us to love wisely. Look what the Bible says here in verse number nine. This I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. This I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in judgment. I thought it was kind of interesting that in this verse, the first thing that Paul's praying, he says, this I pray, the thing I'm praying is for love, knowledge, and judgment. I don't know about you, but my, at first glance, I think, what does knowledge and judgment have to do with love? You know, a lot of the times when we think about love, we think about love being some type of mushy feeling. Have you ever heard anybody say, love will make you do strange things? 
Uh, love will make you do strange things. Now, I'll just tell you, love will not make you do sinful things. Love may make you do something strange. Love may make you forgive someone you'd rather hate. Love may bring you to the place where you have to get over an offense. Love may bring you to the place where you've got to be patient with somebody you'd rather choke half to death. Love may make you do some strange things, but love will never make you sin. And when we think about love, Bible love, Bible love and these words, judgment, Bible love and the word knowledge, those things work together. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that your love is going to grow as you grow in knowledge and good, godly, Christ-honoring judgment. We're to love wisely. Verse 9, the Bible says this, This I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more. Now, look at this love abounding, that your love may abound yet more and more. I want you to ask yourself this question. Has there been a time that I loved God more than I do today? If the answer is yes or maybe, I pray that it will strike fear in your heart that your love toward the Lord has grown cold. Folks, I'll have you know, you can't have joy without the love of Christ abounding in your life. Love abounding. Love in our hearts should be growing. Love for the Lord in our hearts should be growing. Love for the Lord. You know what love for the Lord produces? Love for the Lord produces love for God's people. You say it's easy to get to the place where you let offenses cause the love in your heart to grow cold. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Matthew 24 and verse number 12, because in where there's offenses, the Bible says that these offenses cause the love of many to wax cold. May the Lord help us to love abounding. Is your love growing? Is your love growing? Or have you found yourself getting cold about the things of God? Cold about the work of God? Cold about the souls of men? Cold about reading your Bible? Cold about seeking God's will? Cold. The reason your love is not abounding and growing and growing more and more is because you've let sin have a place in your heart and life. If you're tempted this evening to Excuse away the coldness of your heart because of some circumstance. The love of God is not prominent in your heart right now. I point my finger with three pointing back. <laughs> love abounding. We're to love wisely. Love, it should be growing. Our love for Others, our love for the Lord, our love for the Word, our love for our church, our love for the lost, our love... For souls, our love should be growing. May the Lord help us to take the words of Paul to heart. That we're ever seeking to be more and more like Jesus. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. Are you still pressing are you still moving towards the Lord? Are you still determined to learn and know more about Him, to have a life that has more impact for eternity? Love wisely.
You need to be praying that God will help your love to continue to grow. Love abounding. The Bible says in verse number 8, it says, verse number 9, that your love, I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in judgment. Our, our love is not just something that grows in a mushy capacity. You know what I mean, love. Folks have got the wrong idea about love. They use the word love, and they use the word love, and I love, and therefore I excuse away sin. That's not love that's based on knowledge and good judgment. I love, and because I love, I don't make wise judgments. Now look, you see what the Bible says. The Bible says that we're to love, and our love should grow more and more, and it should be abounding. How? In knowledge and in judgment. You know what the love of Christ does in our hearts? The love of Christ in our hearts makes us make good decisions. God's calling on us to love him and to seek him and to know more about him. If you want to see the depths of love, you can see how the Lord Jesus exhibited love. The Lord Jesus exhibited love on one day by turning over the money changer's table with righteous indignation about what was being done in God's house. On another day, the Lord Jesus forgave the sins of a harlot, went to the home of a cheating, short stuff tax collector named Zacchaeus. Jesus called out Pharisees and called them names like snakes, vipers. but extended mercy to folks who called out for mercy and healed those folks that needed healing. And all of Jesus' love acts, I should say, all of Jesus' acts were acts of love. Now, folks, love is not always soft and cuddly. Sometimes love is strong. And rigid. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 4 that we are to speak the truth in love. And true love, Bible love, Christian love, the love that God wants to abound in our hearts is love that is rich with knowledge and judgment, good decisions. As a matter of fact, won't you turn a few pages back in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. When you read the book of 1 Corinthians, you remember something. Paul's writing to a carnal church. The church at Corinth, they were carnal goats. I mean, they were terrible. They were removing themselves from sound doctrine and they were falling into all the pitfalls that the devil set for them and they were leaving the truth and they had the wrong idea about love. Their love was some form, but it didn't have the power of God or was it actually the love of God? And the Lord Jesus says, let me talk to you about love. I should say, Paul says, let me talk to you about love. Let me teach you something about love. And it came from God. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, he says this about love, verse number 4. Charity, love, suffereth long. What's he say about love? Love is something that continues and suffers through trying times and difficulty. He says, love is kind. 
Love envieth not, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Charity doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. There's some clarity here in this passage of Scripture on what love and true love is. And true love is something that requires the power and blessing of God. And God calls on us to love wisely. Is your love growing? You know what Paul prayed for the church of Philippi? Paul prayed for the church of Philippi that their love would grow. That their love would abound. You be honest with yourself for a moment. You find that your love has waxed cold. Have you found out that your heart's hard? Have you begun to notice that you're moving on a path away from God? Sin does that to you. And Paul prays for you tonight and he says... Oh, please, love wisely. Love wisely. Number two, not only love wisely, but we are to choose wisely. Choose wisely. Look what the Bible says in verse number 10. Verse number 10, Philippians 1 and verse number 10. The Bible says this, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. The Lord wants us to Choose wisely. Let me ask you something. Are you making wise decisions? In Sunday school, we're talking about allowing things to corrupt our hearts. We're talking about how music and media and different things corrupt our hearts. And I wonder, are you allowing the devil through the influence of this world to corrupt your heart? Are you choosing wisely? If you're going to have joy, you're going to have to choose wisely the things that are right and please the Lord. The Bible says in verse 10 that you may approve things that are excellent. Now, I think that's a pretty exciting word and phrase, that you may approve things that are excellent. excellent. The Bible says, look, are you approving the right things? Are you approving the right things to come in your eyes and ears? Are you approving what is excellent? Now, let me ask you a question. What have you approved to influence you today? What have you approved as okay and acceptable conversation today? What have you approved? What have you approved? What have you put your check mark on? Oh, that's fine. Bring it. Put it in my heart. That's okay. No problem. Approved. The Bible says that I pray, and Paul says, I pray that you will approve things that are excellent. What's he say? You need to decide and you need to approve and you need to say yes to things that are excellent. The word excellent as the idea as in opposition to something that's lesser. You need to choose the best things for your life. Do you know what's best for your life? God's will, God's way, God's word. You know what's best for your life? Righteousness. You know what's best for your life? Goodness. You know what's best for your life? The will of God. May the Lord help us to approve what is excellent. 
Are you choosing what's excellent? Pastor Sexton uh, always talked about choosing the high road. And uh, Pastor Sexton is my pastor from Temple Baptist Church in Powell, Tennessee. You pray for him. He's in the hospital. He's not doing great. He said, you need to decide that you're going to not choose between the good and the bad, but choose between the good and the best and choose the best. That's choosing the high road. May the Lord help us to choose the high road. Choose what's best. Approve what is excellent. Now look, you may be living a Christian life. You may be in a dad. You may be being a mom. You may be working your job. And you may be in a situation where you think, you know what, I'm doing okay. I pray that God's people will never be satisfied with just doing okay. The Bible says that everything that you and I do, we should do it heartily as unto the Lord. You may go to work and work for a boss or work for a corporation. You may go to school and study for a teacher and do the work the teacher's given. You may play for a coach, but let me tell you something. If you're a child of the Most High God, you're a Christian, God expects you to do what you do and do it hardly as unto the Lord. I'm getting sick of excusing away opportunities. Excusing away the moment, halfway committing to the high calling of God in our lives. Apostle Paul says, I'm praying that you'll approve what's excellent. That word excellent has the idea of choosing something that is greater than the other. It also has the idea of choosing something different. Now listen, the whole world may scoot by The whole world may halfway, the whole world may cheat and skim and lie and steal and whatever it may be. The whole world may do it, but God calls on his people to be different. I challenge you young people, you be different than your peers. Because you're a child of the most high God. And I challenge you adults, be different. Choose, approve what is excellent. Be different. Don't be afraid to be different. Don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. It's a sad state of affairs that we find ourselves in because Christian people get so complacent. It's easy in a church like ours. What a great crowd on a Sunday night. What a sweet spirit. What a great group of kids. It's easy to get to a place where you're just like coasting along. But God wants us, and Paul prays for the church at Philippi and prays for you and me that we'll prove what is excellent. Go the extra mile. Do the extra work. Do what's best instead of just what's okay. Approve what is excellent. The Bible continues in verse number 10. We're to choose wisely that you may approve things that are excellent. That you may be sincere. Let's stop right there for a minute. Sincere. I wonder, maybe you found yourself doing a task for God. At one time, the task that you were given to do for God was something that you did with the, the greatest sincerity. From the depths of your being, heartily sincere. But maybe now... Not so much. 
Oh, I think it's so important that we start even now to ask the Lord to give us back the fire, give us back the urgency, to give us back the desire to serve Him sincerely. Are you sincere? You know how to tell the difference between someone that is sincerely serving the Lord and someone that isn't? It may not show up on the outside, at least initially. And by the way, it doesn't matter. You don't need to be judging whether he or she or they or them are serving the Lord with sincerity. You need to be asking God to show you, how can I tell if I'm serving the Lord with sincerity? God will give you a sense of urgency about the work he's giving you to do. God will give you a sense of peace about the opportunity, a sense of privilege and humble expectation. If you allow the work of the Lord to become a drudgery and a dread, it's not the work of the Lord that's changed. It's the heart of the servant. Oh, it's so easy at times to forget that God has called us to be servants. It's so easy at times to get to the where we forget that God has called us as servants and we want to be the served, we want to be the acknowledged, we want to be the praised. Preachers can fall in the same trap, and often we do. God wants us to be sincere. Sincere and without offense. Oh, it's so important, that phrase, without offense. What's that mean? Without offense. That means you're not living in sin. You're not living in sin. Paul prayed, look, you need to live a life without offense. You need to determine that you keep your heart and your life in tune with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you do sin, and you will, but when you do sin, and you need to keep short accounts of sin, and you need to repent of your sin, and you need to humbly deal with your sin before a righteous God. He says, this I pray. How long do I have to do that? How long do I have to approve things that are excellent? How long do I have to be sincere? How long do I have to, to battle this battle inside of me that wants to sin, that wants to bow to the enemy? How long do I have to do it? The Bible says it very plainly in our text. You see it? Till the day of Christ. <laughs> I'm here to encourage you. Let me be a blessing. You're going to have to fight this fight until the day you die. Let me tell you, God's grace will be sufficient. The reward will be awesome. And when you know you've got to fight, you, when you know you've got to fight to choose wisely till Jesus comes, you know what else it'll do? It'll make you pray that he comes sooner than later. <laughs> and that's good. Paul prayed. He said, I pray, this I pray, that you'll love wisely. That you'll choose wisely. And finally, number three, that you'll bear fruit. That you'll bear fruit. Verse 9, this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. That ye may approve things that are excellent. That ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Verse number 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ under the glory of and praise of God. He says, what I want 
is I want you to be filled. I'm praying to God that you will be filled with the fruits of righteousness. It's kind of interesting that he says it that way, that you'll be filled with the fruits of righteousness. Now, sometimes when we think about fruit, we think about fruit as the things that are hanging on the outside. And truly, fruit does eventually hang on the outside. But the true marks of fruit bearing, it does not begin with fruit hanging on the outside. As a matter of fact, the fruit that God wants us to bear, it begins on the inside. And Paul said, my prayer is that God does a work on the inside. Do you know that it's possible to generate apparent fruit? Have you ever uh, picked up Fake fruit, thinking it was real fruit. There are some folks who do a really good job with this fake fruit that you use for decorations. But it don't taste good. I try. I'm just kidding. I didn't. Fruit. You know, you can put on the appearance of fruit. You can put on the appearance of fruit with big crowds. You can put on the appearance of fruit with tear-filled eyes and goosebumps. But the real fruit that is missing is the fruit that is inside, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. The Bible says, I pray that you'll be filled with the fruits of righteousness. What are they? What is it I need to be praying that my heart will be filled with? What is it I need to be praying that my insides will be consumed by? Take your Bible and turn back a few pages with me to the book of Galatians. This is a famous passage of Scripture. Something that needs to be looked at often. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. The Bible says in Galatians chapter number 5 and verse 22. Galatians chapter number 5 and verse 22. The Bible says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. What does God want us to be filled with? What does he want our inside to have? Now look, on the outside, sometimes on the outside, love shows up. Sometimes on the outside, joy shows up. How many of you kids remember being brought to church when you were, how many, I should say, how many of you, and maybe kids too, but how many of you folks remember being brought to church and it was a fight all the way to church? You've heard the story many times, I'm sure. It was a fight all the way to church and everybody's hollering. I saw that hand. God bless you, young man. Uh, I saw, uh, it's a fight all the way to church. And everybody's fussing and fighting and you pull into church parking lot and everybody's mad. But as soon as you open the door and see the first person, how are you today? Oh, we're doing great. Yes. It's wonderful. <laughs> We've been there too. That's why I ride to church by myself. <laughs> so that I don't pick a fight with everybody in the car on the way to church. It's, we put on sometimes the appearance of love. We put on sometimes the appearance of joy. We put on sometimes the appearance of peace. I want everybody at the same time to put on your most peaceful face on the count of three. Just do it. What it's like. Try it. You try, you try it one more time. One, two, three. Now look, you can look peaceful on the outside. But the outside's not what really matters. Paul said, I'm praying that you'll have the fruits of, the right, of righteousness 
in you. In you. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. That's everyone's favorite one, long-suffering. You know what? You have to be patient with that bonehead. You know what? You have to be patient with folks you'd rather blow up on. Long-suffering. God calls us to long-suffering. And God, by Spirit, gives us the ability to have it. Is it inside? Gentleness? Oh, man. I'm afraid sometimes that I lose the gentleness on the inside. And eventually, when you lose the gentleness on the inside, you lose the gentleness on the outside, and that's not good. Goodness. Isn't that a good word? Goodness. You know what's so sad? When you let iniquities abound in your heart, before you know it, the goodness that once was inside of you, the goodness that motivated you to do good, the goodness that motivated you to live right, the goodness that motivated you to be the kind of dad or mother or child that God wants you to be, when you let sin abound in your heart, before you know it, the goodness that's supposed to be inside of you, the goodness goes away. And you get to the place where you don't give a rip if people live or die. You're going to do what you want to do. Paul says, I'm praying that you'll bear fruit. That you'll bear fruit. Goodness. Faith. I wonder, has the faith began to roll away from the inside of your heart? Faith. You know, one time... You'd have dealt with the difficulty and you said, God's got this. But now, you deal with the difficulty. And you're bitter and angry at God. You blame people and others. Faith. God says, I want to put faith in your heart. I want you to bear fruit. Meekness. You see, when we have the fruit of righteousness, meekness up in, inside of us. We have meekness inside of us. We don't act out. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. And God calls us to be meek. God calls us to humble ourselves and let the Lord do the work. Temperance. Temperate. Even kill. The big swings. Do you know what they're signs of? They're all signs of someone who is not loving wisely. Their love's not growing. They're signs of somebody who's not choosing wisely. Somebody who's let iniquity abound in their hearts and the love of Christ is waxed cold. And God says you need to bear fruit. Warren Wearsby said about bearing fruit. He said, you know, fruit trees... Don't make much noise bearing fruit. Have you noticed that? I've spent a lot of time in orchards. I like them. I've never heard a fruit tree groan one time. I've never heard a fruit tree brag one time. But I've seen fruit trees bear fruit. You know why fruit trees bear fruit? Fruit trees bear fruit on the outside because of the life that's going on on the inside. And God's called us all to bear fruit. And as a matter of fact, Paul said, I'm praying for you, church, 
This I pray. I'm praying that you'll bear fruit. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Which are by Jesus Christ. Where do I get these fruits? I get them through a relationship with Jesus Christ. It begins with salvation. It continues with a personal relationship with Jesus. Under the glory and praise of God. The byproduct of relationship with Jesus is you'll bring glory and praise to God. And that should be our goal. Paul said here, I'm praying for you. This I pray. I'm praying you'll love wisely. You'll choose wisely. And you'll bear fruit. I wonder if you're here tonight and you say, "Mm, my heart's cold. My heart's cold. I'm still showing a little fruit on the outside, but if I were to be completely honest with God, and that's who matters, the fruit that I used to enjoy on the inside is not there. You know what's awesome? Your opportunity to serve the Lord is not over. Your opportunity to live a victorious Christian life is not over. And God's calling all of his people to humble themselves. God's calling all of us to love. Let our love grow. Let our choices be excellent. And let Jesus Christ produce the fruit in your heart. That he once was faithful to produce. Oh, I'm praying. I'm praying that God will convict you of your sin. God will convict you of your coldness. I'm preaching to me. I'm preaching to you. May Lord help us. Paul said, this I pray. And I wonder, will you pray it? First of all, you need to pray, Lord. Will you warm the hearts of the people in our church? Will you warm the hearts of the people in our pew? Will you cause your love to grow in the hearts of the people in our church? And then you don't stop there. Then you pray. Lord, will you rekindle the fire and love that I once had for you in my heart? Even now. This I pray. Lord, help us. Let's pray.